Now they're making Ghostbusters with only women. What's going on? Shut up and sit down. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on Earth. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Read my lip. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Ah! I love the poorly educated. We're the smartest people. We're the most loyal people. I feel good this week. It's very somber. We should, it's, it's, I'm just going to get rid of this. It's, yeah. very, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not appropriate for this. It's, it's very, very dark time. But we're celebrating him. We'll, ce- we'll celebrate him tonight. <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face in during that. We also can't talk. Um, hi, guys. It's Farsville Politics. Welcome back. Uh, I'm your host, Nick McGuire, uh, joined as always by Dr. Bill Muck from North Central College and Dr. Phil Barker from Keene State College. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. What's going on? Good, good times. Good, to good times. Good times. Uh, before we- <laughs> back to good times. Um, before we get started. Uh, if you guys like the podcast, uh, have questions, comments, beer suggestions, anything like that, um, want to know what we're up to, what we're planning on talking about, follow us on Twitter at Barstool Paul, P-O-L, uh, on Facebook at Barstool Politics. Uh, beers that we try, you can find on the Untapped app on iOS and Android. We're just Barstool Politics on there, so follow us there. The podcast you can find on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher. Uh, a lot of major podcasting platforms. Most of you guys are coming from iTunes, so definitely review us and um, share us through there. Um, it helps us tremendously, um, so we appreciate that. Tell a friend. Yes, always tell your <laughs> friends. I hope you have friends left to tell. I know you do. Um, and then, uh, again, we've uh, been doing this uh, the past few episodes. We've partnered with the guys over at Predict It, uh, which is a real money uh, political prediction market. So think of it as a stock market for politics where you can buy and sell shares in future political events. Um, but why is that so cool? Why are you guys doing it, Nick? Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> person whose voice I don't know who I'm doing, Um the guys that predict it were nice enough to offer our listeners a special promo. So uh, if you open an account with them, uh, up to $20, they will match your $20 deposit. All you have to do is use uh, our promo code, which is predictit.org slash promo slash barstoolpaul20. Uh, it's predictit.org slash promo slash barstoolpaul20. Um, like I said, so open an account. Uh, if you open an account up to $20, they will match that $20 for you. You get $20 in free money. And there's so many things to bet on now. Indictments yep. and pardons and people dying. And it's great. A lot of people won on that one. I, think. I, I tweeted out this week <laughs> that I'm putting big money down on Don Jr. getting indicted. The, the price of that was like $0.32. Cents. I bought a whole bunch of it. And it went down. <laughs> so, the market, so you bought more? Yes, I did buy more. The market isn't agreeing with me right now, but uh, I was going to say Oliver Stone, but uh, the, what's the other? Stone's Roger. Guy. Roger Stone is predicting that Don Jr. gets uh, indicted. So that's that's enough for me. If Roger Stone says that it's got to be true. You take your investing advice from Roger Stone typically? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Man's a genius. Yes. Uh, yeah, I haven't looked at the Manafort numbers lately, but I'm hoping that one's up a little bit. Well, Phil, you were talking one. about uh, the Trump numbers have come back yeah. down. 
Yeah, I was surprised after the, all the news last week with Cohen and Manafort. I had I had bet on or I had bought shares of uh, Trump being impeached by the end of his first term. Um, and they went way up. I was, you know, way up. I was like five dollars up. Cool girl. And I thought, oh, I'm in early. This is good. And I, I waited too long. And it's it's gone back down. It's back below where it was before all the Manafort Cohen news broke, which is surprising to me. It's interesting how they work and how they move. Just like yeah. just like the real market. Just like the real yeah. market. <laughs> um, yeah, we're gonna kind of do a similar format to what we did last week. So. Uh, if we have time to get to speed rounds, we will. But I feel like there's big news that we need to to get through. Obviously, we were, I was making jokes at the beginning of this, but John McCain died. It's very sad. It's we have to start with that. So obviously, the big story of the week was without question the death of John McCain. McCain, a war hero and pillar of the U.S. political system, he was a throwback to an earlier time, Nick, in politics when when people cared about each other. They cared. Sure. <laughs> so, Go on. While a solid conservative, he was nevertheless, he reached across the aisle at key moments in his career. As the tributes poured in, it was hard not to contrast McCain to President Trump, who seemed particularly awful and vindictive by comparison. Uh, Trump stubbornly refused to release an official statement on McCain and kept the White House flag at full staff on Monday until late in the afternoon when the public pressure had become overwhelming. Even in death, McCain managed to send a few parting shots at Trump by banning him from his funeral and leaving a final statement that not so subtly critiqued Trump's approach to politics. Maybe we can begin by reflecting on McCain's legacy and then think about what his death signals for the future of partisanship, the Republican Party, and, of course, Donald Trump. Phil, why don't you start us off? What struck you about uh, the developments? Um, it's, I mean, it, it's been a really interesting snapshot of our political situation i think uh seeing how people have reacted to him he really did i mean it did feel like it does feel like in a lot of ways I, we've talked about on here before that it felt like i don't know 20 years ago there was a different breed of of senator right um not that they were perfect and pure of heart and all of that but you know when you had the the kennedys and the doles and they they had strong opinions but they saw their job as essentially addressing issues that the country was facing. And so there was bipartisanship and they could sort of hate each other's ideas on the floor, but still be um, collegial and friendly off the off the floor of the Senate. McCain felt like one of those. Mm -hmm. And he felt like in, in a lot of ways, one of the last of those. And, and the, the Trump. I don't know. He seems to he seems to symbolize a lot of the kind of old Republican Party and, and the, the kind of feud with Trump and Trump's response and people's response seems to kind of get at this tension in the Republican Party between this kind of old school sense of what the party's supposed to be and this Trumpian dynamic. Um, I, th I think that's right, especially given the, you know, the tributes that came in from McCain. They were coming from both Democrats and Republicans. Mm -hmm. Everybody seemed, the country as a whole seemed to, to love him. I can't think of another figure other than maybe presidents dying where there's this kind of reaction to this, where he touched people in a way where people who vehemently disagreed with his ideology still respected him right. and still felt mm -hmm. sad that he was gone and that the political system was missing something in his absence. Yeah. I mean, he he was he was a war hero. Yeah. Shot down over Vietnam, a prisoner of war for, I think, was it five, five years? Five and a half years. Five and a half years. Had the chance to go home, and he refused unless his men could go as well. Yeah. Uh, came back, raised a family, became a public servant for the rest of his life. Service, right? I mean, that's the key to his life was service, right? Yeah, he he was he was a guy. It's I I would even say that the 
makeup of the Republican Party, even 20 years ago, is not the same breed that he was. You, you talk about the, you know, Republican Revolution under Newt Gingrich and then what it's kind of evolved or devolved into um, since then, uh, especially during this administration in the past several years. It's I'm not sure it's going to take a lot to see someone like that um, hold a position where not only do you have influence, but you have respect uh, on both sides of the aisle uh, again, which is really sad. It's it's really depressing. For someone who's going to live longer than you guys, it's very depressing. <laughs> I eat a lot of kale, Nick. <laughs> um, you know, and I was thinking a lot of some of the, the conversations they were talking about, those moments when McCain did reach over to Democrats and, uh, you know, immigration reform, uh, you know, with health care, right? I mean, that was a big thing, him coming back and basically scolding the Senate and scolding Republicans and giving the famous thumbs down. Uh, campaign finance reform. I mean, the McCain-Feingold stuff was big. but Torture? But that's what I was... Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. The the fact that when the Bush administration was engaging in those tactics, somebody from the Republican Party, who had actually been a prisoner of war and, and said, I know what torture is, this is not who we are as a country, was so significant. And I don't know if there would have been this... I don't think there would have been pushback if it wasn't for McCain saying, I'm willing to to go against my party in those in these critical moments. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of times when I was frustrated with McCain, and I think for a lot sure. of Democrats were too, because yep. you assumed he would, on these moments, agree with Democrats. And no, he was, you know, he was a conservative. But when it really mattered to him, he would uh, defy both the Democrats and the Republicans at times. He would do what he truly believed. And that's, yeah, I think that's going away. Mm-hmm. He, he seemed to be, uh, one of the interesting things that I, I, I don't know, one of the things that I, kind of zoned in on as people were coming up with all these tributes is there was this kind of this rush to almost deify him like he was this kind of perfect you know all of a sudden all these people who had been frustrated with him and had issues with him all of a sudden he could do no wrong and he was perfect and um and that bothers me a little bit because he wasn't perfect right i don't i don't want to deify him he's not he's he was not perfect and I feel like from all the stuff I've been reading and from interviews I've seen with him over the years, he would be the first one who would say that. Yes, he would say, right. I'm not perfect. He talked openly about how he had made mistakes and how he had been wrong in the past. And I feel like that's part of what made him great. Even, even again, even in the times when I disagreed with him, it, it's you felt like he was standing on principle. And so in it, it can feel like, you know, we talk a lot and complain a lot about the extent to which it seems like politicians are just purely self-interested or in in it for themselves or for power or whatever. And it felt, I, I'm sure some of that played into it. You don't seek higher office without some of that playing in, but it felt like he was in it for the principle, right? For the, what he, you know, doing what he thought was right, even when he screwed up along the way. Uh-huh. But the fact that he's willing to admit that he screwed up is it just that seems so rare in politics now. It mm-hmm. truly is. And a lot of the clips that we've been watching over the last couple of days, he would he would be saying that he would say, I've made many mistakes. I'm a flawed character. And especially in contrast to the current president, where you never admit a mistake, it was it's kind of stunning to realize that uh, he was willing to do so. One of the big mistakes I think he would even acknowledge was Sarah Palin, right? And that, I think that's been an interesting conversation to see the degree to which a lot of the Trumpism we're dealing with now really bubbled up in in 08 with his... I mean, it wasn't as if... I mean, he was responding to those movements, and Palin right. was probably a strategic choice, but that those were early... 
early signs that Trump was coming. Mm-hmm. How, how much there's I've seen people debate that about how much the naming of Sarah Palin unleashed this or how much of it was inevitable and it was just sort of a result of this movement within the Republican Party. So these that, that sort of you know kind of uh, nationalistic side of of the Republican Party was already growing and was powerful. Did 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 McCain did his choice of Sarah Palin further that or was it you know it was it wouldn't have made a difference it was going to happen one way or another do you have a i don't i'm not sure i don't know that i've settled my opinion on on what i think of that yet uh i i mean not not to restate kind of what i i said before but i i think this has where we are right now has its roots in the republican revolution in in the 90s more than anything while i think sarah palin um may have exacerbated the problems that were there these are decades-old issues that were festering and no one was paying attention to. It it sped up the process. She was yeah. certainly not the cause of it by any means. Right. They were responding to something that was already there and probably the first major ticket to really take advantage of that at, at that level. I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think it was going to occur either way, but this was pouring some gasoline on that fire, mm-hmm. uh, made, it, made it occur more quickly. It gives a platform and a yeah. voice to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you you feel I feel like that that was one of those things where McCain was sort of uncharacteristically McCain. I feel like that was something where he you know he had spent his life desiring to be president, and this was his chance, and he did something that he thought would help him, probably against what he thought was the right. In fact, he said afterwards that if he could do it again, he would have chosen Joe Lieberman. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. Which um, which might have been that might have made a difference too. Yeah, you you right. never know. Uh, I, I mean he. But he also respected his opponent like he he'd lost. And, you know, it's it's uh, Bush Jr. and Obama giving eulogies at his his memorial service. Like It's you know, he I, I can't imagine a politician now is certain certainly not the president now ever doing anything like that to someone that they lost to. Especially, you know, I, I think about that in, in 08, that election night when McCain went out and addressed his crowd and congratulated Obama and the crowd starts booing, and he basically tells them to be quiet and says, no, this is a historic moment for the country. We should all get behind him, and I will get behind him. And even though McCain disagreed with Obama on a lot of policy, that was important. That set the tone, and it didn't stop kind of some of that ugliness that bubbled up in the Republican Party, but it was important, and I think we should honor him for doing that. That was was significant in in terms of our political system. Mm -hmm. Should we... Should we talk a little bit about some of the responses? Yes. I, yeah. one, I mean, I want, we should talk about Trump, but I, I have found it interesting in the last, you know, whenever a couple of days, there's been a discussion in the Senate about how to honor him. And they were oh. talking about it was uh, uh, Schumer that proposed changing the name of the Russell office building. Yeah. Um, there's something very bizarre about this. Russell was a Democrat, a Southern Democrat. The Democrats want to rename it for McCain, and the Republicans are the ones who are saying, no, we want to honor Russell. <laughs> yes. And I saw a poll today that McCain's approval rating is higher amongst Democrats than amongst Republicans, which is mm-hmm. kind of mind-boggling to me. I mean, it, it's it's I, I, I'm not I, it's not a brilliant political move. It's a political move when there shouldn't be a political move. Mm-hmm. My understanding, at least the reports that I saw on that, was that he didn't speak to any of his Democratic colleagues before making that statement that he just kind of went on a, a Schumer, Schumer just went it, on yeah. his own uh, on that. Um, if if they push it through, if they manage to push it through, 
the Democrats were the ones who were uh, respecting one of their colleagues. If it doesn't go through, the Republicans are the ones who are disrespecting one of their colleagues and look right. like assholes. Yeah, right. For sure. But the fact that you do it one day after he died, you just you're just an asshole. Like just <laughs> come on, man. It's so transparent. And the fact that it took not even twenty four hours for something like that to happen is just ridiculous. I like Mitch McConnell. His his did you see his alternative, which was we can hang a picture of him. Is that yeah. right? No, I didn't. That's terrible. In like the hallway outside the Senate chambers. <laughs> well, I wonder how much of the the shape of people's perception of John McCain is is a result of the Trump era. So mm. the fact that Demo- yes. that Democrats all of a sudden love him is because he is such a contrast to Trump. And it, and it's we've talked about how suddenly Mitt Romney and you know even George Bush who sure. who did lots of stuff that that Democrats have deep issues with seem you know, reasonable in, in contrast to Trump. So I wonder how much of it is McCain seems fantastic in comparison, comparison to Trump and the fact that McCain's approval rating is so low amongst or is lower amongst Republicans is a testament to the extent to which Trump has taken over the Republican party. So the animosity between them means that Trump supporters, you know, people, Fox news viewers or whatever, see McCain, not as part of the team. I think McCain's appeal is certainly driven by Trump right now, right? The reality and just just the way in which Trump responds to things, how he engages in politics is such a contrast. And and maybe this is a good transition into this. But what was your reaction to Trump's just vindictive? I mean, for me, the the image will be when he was I guess the, the cameras were in there. He was sitting at his desk and the reporters are shouting questions. What, you know, uh, what do you want to say about John McCain's legacy? And he's he leans back with his puffy face and his arms are crossed. Yeah. I mean, it was it was clear he was not going to budge at that point. Yeah. And what a stubborn little vindictive man. <laughs> you know, it just I don't know that that was I, to me. I think that that it said everything. It it does. I mean that the the flag, the fact that you know the whatever Monday morning, the flag over the White mm-hmm. House was at full staff when everything else in D.C. <laughs> was at half staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it it is very telling of the the pettiness or how much we've talked about again that Trump it reacts to people based on how they approach him. So people who are nice to him, he loves. People who critique him, he he hates. And so you you see that play out. I honestly was a little surprised that there wasn't that Trump didn't do something worse. Dumber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, the, he, he basically didn't do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So he didn't, he, you know, he said there was that white, the white house sent out the tweet that wasn't even about McCain. It was, you know, thoughts go to his family. And then there was the flag yeah. fiasco, but he was able to restrain himself, mm-hmm. which barely, I know is like barely. setting the bar really low. <laughs> yes. But I, I was sort of surprised in, that he didn't, that he didn't in some way. Insult. Insult yes. the dying, the yes. dead man. Yes. He, it sounds like he kind of softened too. The, the report that I saw was, um, I guess, Lindsey Graham was giving a speech on the floor of the Senate about John McCain, and they were good friends, and it, he was very emotional about it. And I guess Trump called him pretty soon after that and said, you know, it was very sad. I think he actually said it was very sad. But, you know, you, you did right by your friend. You know, that was that was good. So, I, which, you know, does not seem to be getting a lot of sure. coverage. But Like when the Grinch, you know, his heart slowly Yeah, grows. just a little bit. <laughs> tiny, tiny bit. Um, yeah, I, I mean... I, I he he just looked like an idiot in, in the, that first few days, but 
And yeah, just, he's not incapable of doing it. it the, you know, it just takes people yelling at him. But the thing with this is, it was this is a slam dunk, and this should be easy. This yeah. is a softball, right? So a uh, uh, hero dies. All Trump has to do is is more than that tweet. He comes out and he says, you know, we didn't agree all the time. Where, where he eventually, his eventual statement well, said. He's not a hero. He got captured. Right, They're not right. heroes if you get captured. But, you know, if he says something like, you know, we didn't always agree, but I respected what he brought to the political system. And in the future, I may try to emulate him because he, you know, found ways of bringing people. Something like that. Then it becomes about Trump in a good way. Right. But he can't do that. Mm. Even he's though too- it's going to hurt him. Politically, yeah. for, for I mean, he, he knows he's going to get there. Or maybe he doesn't know. But the pressure eventually will force him to do it. And it's so much worse when it's done reluctantly as opposed to being proactive. I mean, this this is what the administration should be telling him. And he should be smart enough to say, but, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll cave. But it sounds like they are telling him that. Yeah. Right? I mean, they were pushing him to make a statement. And they had a statement. The White House had a statement ready that he vetoed, that he nixed. Right? right. So... I, I just think it's the extent to which he that people don't have control over him, right? That his, you know, Kelly, the chief of staff, other people, they can talk to him all they want. But this is why the person matters, right? Yeah. Who you elect, because you can surround them with good people. But in the end, he's the president. And everybody else did release statements within the administration, you mm-hmm. know, all tweeting and saying things. And, and it again, that one absence of a, of a statement by Trump was, was so telling. For, yeah. Foreign governments. Yes. His, the, the guy who he was his prison guard or whatever from, from yes. Vietnam issued a statement. Uh, that's bad. <laughs> do you think he's going to make it through? I don't do you have they there must be a date set for a memorial for the memorial service at this point. I haven't seen it. But yes, that, that's got to be a national TV sort of thing. You're going to have Bush and Obama praising him. People are going to use that opportunity to draw not necessarily direct, but indirect lines and comparisons to Trump. Mm-hmm. I, there's still a lot of opportunity for him to further screw this up. Yes. Right. Or, I don't. Maybe it's not screwing it up. I mean, maybe these attacks are. You know, again, maybe they hit well with the base with Republicans. I. I don't know. It's shocking to me that that's the case. So I'm going to bet now he's going to be on a golf course somewhere. That's my thing. The, the, yeah, the, the administration <laughs> has him everywhere. But I mean, part of this weekend he was away golfing. He was away from the White House. Yeah. It was when he returned that the flag went all the way back up. So. It, it's possible that he screws it up. I would hope that he realizes the way in which he was embarrassed and hammered. I mean, it, it had to be just awful times in the White House for those couple days. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, regardless of who the person is at this point, I, I, the bigger thing, at least for me, to take away from this is it, these things just can't be politicized. There are so few people like this left in national government or or, and and any government position of of consequence now that it's just just take a few minutes just don't be an asshole for a few minutes that's all it takes and we'll respect you for it i i just regardless of what your political leanings are just understand the moment i guess it it seems like something we need john mccain is someone that as a country we can sort of both sides get behind right yes. he he acted on principle even if you disagreed with him he wasn't just a party hack all the time he was an america he was a war hero it just seems like this is something that that we could all get behind and put our sort of pettiness and our differences apart aside for a little while but i don't know that we're capable of it anymore well it, it struck me this week we spend a lot of time talking about negative things on this podcast mm-hmm. right like what went wrong what screwed up but i i 
not that it wasn't positive news, but the idea of talking about John McCain made me feel good, right? This was some yeah. celebrating him, talking about him, and all that he did for the country. And then Trump ruined that for me, like very quickly, right? He just, <laughs> he had to soil it. Uh, you know, that, I don't know, that that is, that's not good. Finally, I had something nice to talk about, Nick. But realistically, we can't have good things. That should be what it's about. Like you know who he, you know who Trump is, yeah. and you know that's the behavior that you come to expect. Which you know shouldn't be the case. Yeah. But at the same time, there is a point where we can be something better than that. Yeah. Like you have those sent- sentiments about a specific person or an event or something, and we should be able to hold on to that longer than the first news story that comes out about him crossing his arms and, you know, looking like a kid who's pouting. But he did bring that on, though, right? I mean, that's the thing. I think Trump was the one who made that an issue. But yeah, the, the, the media had it. They had. I mean, it was. They had. Well, that's. They have well, I to. I, I just. They. They don't have to. Like that seems like. Yeah, I agree. That, that that seems part of our national problem is that we can't ignore this stuff. Right. Just, like like. He's being, a, he's being an ass about it. Ignore him. Quit. Quit doing the. You know, focus on the things that are important and ignore the troll, right? And so, but but we seem unable mm. to do that as well. There will be plenty of time to worry about the troll afterwards. Just, ignore the troll. Yeah. Can that be the name of the episode? <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> Uh, do we do we want to talk about like moving forward where this goes or should we jump? Uh, yeah, okay. Got a couple uh, so Phil, where do you think the Republican Party moves? Because uh, you know not only the party as a whole, but also this seat, right? So next week, yeah. uh, the, the sitting governor of Arizona will appoint a replacement. And they could go with a Trump Republican. They could go with a John McCain Republican. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, if if you are a Republican strategist, what are you advising for this move and for the party as a whole? I don't know that there's a monolithic thing that is the Republican strategist anymore. Yeah. I think their party is so divided. Um, I, I mean, I suspect... I don't know enough about the Arizona governor. I suspect that they're going to go more in a John McCain uh, lane than a Donald Trump lane. I, it sounds. I, in, in fact, this is one of the things. I, was this? I, is this one of the things that predicted? Maybe it's not unpredicted. I saw somewhere about uh, like basically the odds of different people being named, and that the the seeming favorite is John McCain's wife, mm. um, and the fact that they're not going to name someone to replace John McCain until after the funeral that might fit into this notion of, of it being his wife. Um, that would be more in the kind of classic Republican mode. I, I don't like that idea, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with, with her. Sure. I just think that we have this weird sense that, Hey, if, if someone's good at this, then their spouse will also be good. I think you should pick the person who's the best qualified. And if that happens to be John McCain's wife, great. But just to think that his wife will be him um, is I don't know is yeah. it seems seems problematic on lots of levels, but um, I don't know I don't know where the future of the Republican Party is I I, th- I mean this is the debate this is the the tension that has to be sorted out I mean right now it feels like the Trump uh, the Trump um, branch of the party has control of it but I see increasing numbers of people due to you know security clearance stuff which we haven't talked about but might talk about later to due to john mccain due to some of the stuff people who are kind of seemingly getting to a breaking point i saw a number of people i saw several people on twitter in the response like prominent republicans on in response to uh uh the trump's uh, handling of the mccain um of mccain's death talking about how the the leadership of the republican party is 
is um, rotten. And so they're not going to vote Republican until the leadership changes, even though they are at their heart conservative. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this is the civil war within the Republican Party that still has to be fought and battled out. And I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know that it's predictable at this point which way it's going to go. I think short term, the Trump camp wins, uh, mm-hmm. at least in the sh- and I So I, I don't know if that means that the McCain's replacement will be a Trump like candidate. But I think we're going to see more of that before it shifts back to a more moderate uh, version of the Republican Party. Nick, where were you at? Yes. Yeah. OK. Yeah. It, yeah. it doesn't make political sense to have an outlier or an unknown there. Yeah. Solidify your base, solidify your power structure, which is Trumpism right now, which is Trumpism yeah. right now. Uh, and take any unknowns out of the equation until you are forced to put an unknown in the equation. Right. It doesn't make yeah. It it doesn't make political sense to do anything other than that. Which again speaks to this. We've hit on this multiple times. The stunning transformation of the Republican Party. There used to be criticisms of of John McCain as a rhino, you know, Republican in name name only. But in some ways, that's that's so bizarre because Trump himself has been members of both parties. There's no real ideology to him. He's he's a very convenient Republican. Uh, and that is now the, the center of the party, is this nationalist, uh, you know, isolationist uh, foreign policy party. So it's, it's interesting to see, I think, yes. But I, I think he wins, at least in the short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, Do you want to do beer real quick? Sure. And then go do beers, and then we'll go on to the next topic. All right. Sure. Phil, you're drinking something smoky. What's your smoky <laughs> beer? I am. I'm starting tonight with... Um, a beer from Abel Ebenezer Brewing Company, which is in uh, Merrimack, New Hampshire. And it is a beer called Burn the Ships, and it is a smoked IPA. I ne- have, have you ever heard of a smoked IPA before? I've never, never heard of this. Never heard of that. burnt ships in it? Is that how that works? Yeah, there's like chunks of wood stuck in my teeth. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this. I, I, uh, I don't love it. But I don't. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> I know, but I don't hate it. I, it's not. I was expecting like in your face smokiness, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Like my ta- the the flavor when you drink it is not smoke. I don't think. But it's not like the hoppiness that comes with most IPAs. I don't. I don't really know, even how to put a finger on it. So I, I, I don't. Again, like I said, it's not something that I'll go back to a whole lot. But I, I could see where people would like this just because it's a little different. I could, I could see people trying it and and and. Yeah, be kind of filling a sort of a niche in the IPA family. So if you enjoy poorly crafted IPAs that have a slight smokiness, <laughs> try this beer. <laughs> I can say poorly crafted. This might be the damn best smoked IPA smoked in the IPAs. country for all I know. <laughs> oh, oh Nick, what are we drinking? So we are drinking a drunk munch. Uh, munch. Wow. <laughs> Hello. I'm tired. Um, Drunk Monk, which is a, a Hefeweisse beer. Is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Um, so this is from uh, Three Floyds, which I think we had one of theirs last last week. week. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Bavarian style uh, with lots of banana, uh, vanilla, and cloves. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan of this type of beer. Me either. Personally. Yeah. It's... If I'm going to drink a light beer, I want that kind of crispness and almost a little bit more hoppiness to it. Banana, I don't know. It lends kind of a weird sweetness, and it just, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't sit. It's not bad. It just doesn't sit with me well. And, and there are different levels of banana. I will say this is one of the more banana <laughs> It's quite banana that I've had in a while. Yeah. And it's high on the banana scale. <laughs> it really is. And the, and the clove and the vanilla. And it was a very distinct flavor, but I, I don't know. Yeah, this is... 
Three Floyds does all sorts of funky stuff, and they have the right to do this. Just like Phil's Smoky IPA, there's probably a market for it. <laughs> it's not. Right it's not us. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, they make. I, I feel like we've been we've been ragging on them the past couple weeks. They make such good beer. A yeah. lot of their other beers. Um, yeah, this is a, a nine out of ten on the banana meter. Um, which, yeah, it's just it's just it's, it's too I, much banana. I quickly transition to a zombie dust, which again is the best beer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they make the best beer in the world, but this banana thing was not so good. So. Um, on that note, okay. if uh, you want to hear uh, or or um, not hear that review, but if you want to find out what we've tried uh, during these episodes um, and look at our reviews on them. Uh, download the Untapped app on iOS and Android um, and follow us. We're Barstool Politics on there. So definitely do that. All right, let's jump to the other big story. And the other thing that struck me about this story is that we're going to talk about uh, Trump and the law and all the legal stuff. This was just huge news until the McCain stuff happened. And then when I went back and looked at it, I thought that felt like it happened weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Right. But it literally was with since we taped the last time. So, all right, so it appears that President Trump has declared war on the law, Phil. The law. It was a doozy for a, <laughs> of a legal week. Let's just review some of what happened, just to remind the listeners. Trump once again attacked his attorney general, Jeff Sessions, stating in a Fox News interview that, quote, I put an attorney general who never took control of the Justice Department. What kind of man is that? He literally said that. What kind of man is that? Is he Nick Cage? I guess. Sessions, to his credit, shot back, releasing a statement saying, While I am Attorney General, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly influenced by political considerations. Well, good for Jeff Sessions. Go, girl. That's the first and maybe yes. the last time I'll ever say that. But good <laughs> yes. for Jeff Sessions. Well, I agree. Trump thought this was great, too. And he <laughs> tweeted that Jeff, and he called him Jeff, should, quote, look into all the corruption on the other side, including emails by Comey, lies and leaks by Mueller. I mean, he went. So, I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. All right. <laughs> Key Republican senators also signaled this week that they would allow Trump to fire Sessions after the midterm elections. Let's talk about that. Uh, also, the week that Trump attacked those lousy, no good raps who flip rats who flip on bigger fish, Trump's exact words were, "I have seen it many times." Why, I, the, the fact that he's seen flipping many times troubles me. Uh, I have many friends involved in this stuff. It's called flipping, and it's almost and it almost ought to be illegal. <laughs> that is insane. It is yes, and I, I love that he has to describe it to us. Like you've never heard of flipping. It's bad. It should be illegal. You guys, have you seen this? Have you yes. heard about this? Uh, many interpreted this as a shot at Michael Cohen and a signal to Paul Manafort that he should keep quiet in the hopes of a future pardon. We also learned that Alan Weiselberg, uh, CFO for the Trump Organization, and David Pecker. Ecker, uh, the CEO of American Media, <laughs> were greatly granted immunity for their testimony in the Cohen investigation. That's not good for Trump. Uh, Phil, Trump and the law at war are at war with each other. Just pick something. Where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> Phil, go. Yes. Comment. I, um, for whatever reason, after all that stuff that you went through, the thing that stayed, I, I feel like I have to start by saying that. This is another one of those stand back and look at it situations in which the president of the United States, who is the chief executive, right, head of 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 enforcing the laws of this country, went on national TV and in an, in an interview critiqued people who cooperate with law enforcement <laughs> to, to bring like criminals to justice. Well, they're rats. <laughs> That's insane. It, it really That's... is. I mean, just that statement that. You know, he's two things. One, that he's seen a lot of flipping, 
Right. I don't know about you guys. I've never been around a flipper. Oh, ever. <laughs> you know, I will turn on you and I'm missing out. Right. So the fact that he's surrounded himself with people that are flipping and, and to your point, Phil, that he finds this just despicable and it ought to be illegal. That it ought to be illegal to cooperate with law enforcement. <laughs> yes. that, this is the president of the United States. That is. I don't even like I, it, it's like hard for me to even talk about because yeah. that's so incomprehensible. Yes. Nick. Well, I, I mean, you can see like that kind of New York fucking businessman, you yeah. know, borderline mob thing kind right. of rearing its ugly head. But it's it's just so dumb. It sounds so childish. <laughs> like, yes. I, just why? Why would you say something like that? Um, I, I mean, I have respect for I mean, like you said, Phil, I have respect for Sessions for pushing back on him. On, and realistically, the fact that he stepped away from the Russia investigation in general, I think I think it was calculated, but I also think it was the right decision to make. Um, he, he he had to have seen the writing on the wall and at least to some extent know where this was going. Um, having said that, I think there are some other things that they could potentially investigate at the Justice Department that, you know, he alludes to, that which some are blatant conspiracy theories some have at least some merit uh as much merit as the current investigation probably not um again he's not good at making a point uh and is really good at making help making himself sound like an ass where people will not listen to him if there is a salient point in there so i i found the attacks on jeff sessions to be concerning Mm -hmm. Uh, there's nothing new about them um, he's been attacking Jeff Sessions for a long time. I find the turn to calling him Jeff on Twitter to be <laughs> yes. a little weird. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened there. Mom but, and dad um, are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> the part that I find concern, I mean, I, 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 it has concerned me for a long time that the president is, you know, lashing out at his own attorney general, who he can fire. The mm-hmm. attorney general serves at the president's um, will. But the part that I found disconcerting was the extent to which Congress basically didn't blink at this, that that it was leaked that that Trump plans to fire Jeff Sessions after the midterms. And you didn't have more of an explosion from even from the Democrats, but from the Republicans, there were, you know, you had Lindsey Graham, who who is I don't understand him at all these days, but basically said, yeah, that's that's how it's going to work. Credit to Ben Sass. Ben Sass was the one Republican who basically stood up and said, I don't know if 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 the attorney general is fired for essentially clearly, you know, personal reasons here. Um, I'm not going to vote for a um, for a replacement, which, you know, one vote in this Congress is, is important. But, yeah, I, this is where it concerns me that Donald Trump is doing this. But in many ways, even more concerning is, again, Congress's unwillingness to sort of rein him in. Congress, any number of senators could make a statement that like Ben Sass and say, look, if you fire Jeff Sessions for reasons that are pretty clearly yeah. personal, um, you're you know, we're not going to give you a replacement. You're going to be stuck with with, uh, you know, the deputy attorney general or or or, or Jeff Sessions. <laughs> and, right. And, there's just no willingness to call him on this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of him. I mean, they're afraid of the Trump attack, which is is just awful. I mean, today, today Trump uh, tweeted something. Or he quoted Tucker Carlson, and he said, "Quote: The Obama people did something that's never been done. They spied on a rival president campaign. Would that be okay if Trump did it?" 
and then this is what really disturbed me. I'm losing faith that our system is on a level. I'm beginning to think it's rotten and corrupt. Scary stuff Obama did. I mean, he's getting to the core of the of law and order, of the Justice right. Department, of the FBI. And this is coming from the president. To your point, Phil, it's not just that he's critiquing a particular decision. He's suggesting the whole thing is rotten. That is terrifying. And then the one individual, Jeff Sessions, not the one, but one individual who's heading that department, and I think deserves some credit for his pushback against Trump, that he's it, right? I mean, if, if, if he goes away and Trump is able to appoint some crony or whoever it is, the Mueller investigation ends, all of the, all of the Hillary investigations begin. Now, maybe the Senate will at that point get a backbone and push back, but I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not convinced. I think the reason Jeff Sessions is still there is because of congressional like mm -hmm. because of congressional pushback and the fact that this was essentially leaked that that he's planning to fire Sessions after the midterms and that got nothing. Yeah, I think you essentially have given him a green light like I, it's going to happen. He's going to fire Jeff Sessions. And I, it's it's yeah, I mean, I think I, I I am no fan of Jeff Jeff Sessions. But I, you know, again, the, the fact that Congress was it's even at some small level. Uh, of trying to control or to put a check on the on presidential power was, I, yeah. I mean, it just feels like it's all just caving in. So, so here's the, so here, the other other uh, announcement today we're taping on Wednesday is that Don McGahn, the White House yeah. Counsel, Trump also tweeted out without telling Don McGahn right. that he's going to be released after the Kavanaugh in the fall yeah. after the Kavanaugh confirmation. So so the White House Counsel will be gone after the midterms. The Attorney General will be gone, and so that leads to speculation saying that. Trump will appoint a new attorney general that might just shut down the Mueller investigation. The new White House counsel will quickly uh, issue a pardon for Paul Manafort, which McGahn right. said he's refused to do. Right. What happens if that that occurs? Nothing. <laughs> if, if, if Trump if Trump kills the Mueller investigation and pardons Manafort, we're beyond constitutional crisis, right? I mean, we're in sure. we're in Venezuelan territory. Nick. I don't know, let's not go crazy. <laughs> Poland. <laughs> do you think maybe do Poland? You think, yes. Do you think that backfires if that happens? Yes, um, but he doesn't care. Don't you think? So it, it, it backfires. How do you think it backfires legally or electorally for him? I think it might backfire electorally for him. No, there's no one. There's no mm. no impeachment, right? I mean that. It's hard to see. I don't, but I don't know. I don't know what that line. If I mean, that's that's going way out there. When he starts firing people and pardoning people, I, yes. that I, you know, the fact that Ben Sass basically, yeah. you know, came out and said something. Again, that's far from doing something, but it's you know, you're starting to see a few people maybe speak up. I don't know. I don't know if that's those sorts of actions push Republicans to finally say, all right, this this has to stop. And I don't know about voters. I don't know how many voters who, you know, are like, I'm I'm Republican. I'm holding my nose with Donald Trump at some point with those sorts of things as say I'm, I'm done. I mean, I, I think a lot of it, if he has any strategic mindset to him, he won't do any of this until after the midterms. And realistically, that should dictate whatever, you know, action he's going to take. If the Democrats take the House, I mean, that throws a monkey wrench into this whole scenario that people are concocting right now if not i think he moves forward with it and the fact that it's he takes those actions immediately after the midterms mitigates the consequences that he'll have electorally he might have legal challenges but right. if the republicans retain control of the house and the senate that'll be 
fairly mitigated, in my opinion. Or if, even if it's divided, let's say the Democrats take the House and the Republicans keep the Senate, it still makes it more difficult for a successful impeachment. Sure. You can impeach, but the, they wouldn't prosecute. To me, if he, if he puts a new attorney general in who shuts down the Mueller investigation and or he pardons Manafort, to me that feels like we're at another level here. I mean, Manafort yeah. is a guilty, guilty dude. I mean, eight counts already. He's going to get hammered in this next trial in Washington. Uh, it, it just feels like we've we've drifted into we're no longer a, a country of law and order if the president is able to do this. And I would hope that Republicans would push back and say, you've gone too far, Mr. President. But I'm not I'm not sure. It, well, it's going to be interesting to see, because if the Republicans hold on to the House and the Senate, I can see him doing a lot mm-hmm. of this more extreme stuff, right. um, which could chip away at some of his, you know, some of the. The, the more traditional Republican um, support. On the other hand, if Democrats take over, I could see that making him do really crazy stuff, right? Because that's going to open <laughs> yes. the door for investigations and potential impeachment. And he's I, I don't see him, you know, hanging it up and saying, you know, I, I OK, I'm resigning. I see him just going down, you know, with guns blazing. Oh, yeah. So he'll I, go in a tailspin. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I kind of see it getting crazier either way yeah going forward no question i i think the craziness is i think he could drive some of the craziness i also think this cohen investigation so last week we talked about that there are really now three prongs to the legal troubles for trump one is the russian collusion story the second is the obstruction of justice but the third is all of this cohen stuff uh and the more they dive into Cohen, the more they dive into his behavior in New York. I mean, there's going to be ugliness there. If he's hanging around flippers, there's going to be stories to tell. And this is going to slowly leak out either through investigations through the Southern District of New York or through. I mean, there's a variety of, of legal mechanisms where this stuff could be aired. This is going to drive him nuts. And he can't pardon some people for this. So, so if the state's involved, it's a totally different dynamic. And and firing. I mean, this is where Mueller has has been, I think, smart by handing off stuff that he's come across because it it battles the perception that he is reaching beyond the yeah. original mandate of the special um, counsel. It also means that if he is fired, these things don't necessarily shut down. Yes. So he's handed off of you know this Cohen stuff to the Southern Dist- District of New York. I think. I mean, we haven't talked yet about Weisselberg and Pecker, um, and the, those are. Uh, <laughs> You were like a third grader. <laughs> just, his eyes light up. It's all flush and he smiles. Go on, Phil. Um, I, if you're Donald Trump, you can't be happy about about these two, uh, the news that these two are cooperating and have been given some level of immunity. So Weiselberg is the uh, essentially the, the chief financial guy at the Trump organization. Um, and is it is it David David Pecker? Is that right? Do I have that name right? Yes, David. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he's the head of um, what American. Is it? It's, it's American a, Media. American Media, which is op- owns or controls National Enquirer. National Enquirer yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, this is National Enquirer is who and, and David Pecker is a friend of Trump's, and he's been used for years to do this. Uh, what is it? Capture and kill is where they they buy stories of people. This was the um, the Playboy Playmate story, but there were others as well. Um, the fact that he, I mean, and this is what the, Co- the Cohen indictment or the Cohen um, plea, one of the things he pled guilty to was related to this American media, um, uh, essentially buying the story of is it Susan McDougal. 
Karen. Uh, Karen. Karen McDougal. Yeah. That's right. Karen McDougal. Um, so the fact that you have to guess that if they were involved in the purchasing of Karen McDougal's story, they, it, it, it seems like people in the know seem to think that this has been a relationship that has been in place for years. Yes. Um, they aren't all necessarily illegal uh, because, you know, the reason why this one was illegal because was because it was an illegal campaign contribution. But the fact that that um, that that he has flipped, I I think the the one that make will make Trump really nervous is the the is the Weisselberg, the 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 uh, finance guy, because, I you know, Trump has got to be guilty of all sorts of, yeah. <laughs> you know, white crimes. Yeah. 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 And so that's I, I'm, I assume that's driving some of his more erratic behavior here. And, it's, and I, to your earlier point, he, this is not going to get better. This is going to get worse and worse. This is going to spiral. And I really believe that at some point this is going to come. I think Mueller is probably smart. Well, Mueller is of the opinion that from what we read that he doesn't believe he can indict the president. But Don Jr. And this is what I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Don Jr. is his fingers are all over this stuff. So you can go after Don Jr. So if you're Robert Mueller and you indict Don Jr., which I think might happen, doesn't Trump just just lose it? And, and maybe that means Mueller is not going to do it right away, or how, I don't know how that proceeds. But that is that seems like one level where once that happens, it just hits the fan. It's we're out the window in terms of crazy talk. I've seen a number of people speculating this week. So the Department of Justice has this. This was part of the the reason why Comey's announcement about Hillary Clinton was so controversial is that the Department of Just, Justice has. Um, a guideline that you don't make public announcements about, you know, cases involving candidates or whatever within, I think, 60 days of an election. And so we're very quickly coming up on that 60 day deadline for the midterm elections, which is kind of crazy that we're already at midterms. Yeah. Um, but I've seen a number of people speculate that basically in the next week, week and a half, you might see a number of things come down because people are trying to beat that essential, essentially that deadline. Um, oh. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I also the, the the you know, the the discussion about whether a president can be indicted is I, we talked about that a little bit the other the other week. That's not settled law. That's a Department of Justice um, right. policy Opinion. that yeah. can be changed. Yes. Um, it hasn't been you know discussed at the, or it hasn't been settled at the Supreme Court level. And I don't I don't know the full um structure how all that plays out but i've seen a number of people say that the that just because Mueller wants to abide by that doesn't necessarily mean that the southern district of new york will abide by that and so you know you can it's very possible that we see an indictment even of donald trump and then of course a huge legal battle that would follow right. after that mm -hmm. and that's not even addressing the question of whether Mueller would want to subpoena trump which is a whole nother legal avenue that they may mm -hmm. or may not choose to do and that, that could be a complicated legal pathway but they still may want to do that can we talk about the this whole perjury trap bullshit that the administration has been talking about? I, maybe there's not much to talk about, but it drives me crazy that they continue to talk about you know, uh, you know, talking with Mueller or or Trump in some way testifying as being a perjury trap. Truth that's, isn't truth, Phil. Right? No, that, that's insane. <laughs> that, there, there is no such thing as a perjury trap. If you get called before you know a grand jury or whatever and you're you have to tell the truth the the way you avoid a perjury trap is real simple you just don't lie yeah. don't commit perjury it's, it's pretty simple but what if you have to lie <laughs> right. what's the right. procedure then <laughs> question i did see a really interesting they had uh one of the lawyers that interviewed clinton now clinton technically bill clinton wasn't subpoenaed he he was subpoenaed 
and then the they star uh, group withdrew that subpoena because Clinton agreed to a conversation. And he talked about that, and he talked about the shift between the Nixon era way that you could pursue things, and then the independent council that Ken Starr was a part of, versus what Robert Mueller is. And the reality is that Robert Mueller has much less power than Ken Starr did. Uh, that the the pendulum after Ken Starr shifted back in terms of taking power away from special uh, counsel investigators, whatever you want to call them. So it it may be more difficult, and and the Trump legal team. Uh, you know, Giuliani excluded, they may be smart enough to realize that they can't get him. They can't get Trump to sit down. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, but even if he did sit down, Phil, I agree. You just don't lie. I mean, that was Clinton's right. problem. Clinton lied. They right. knew they had him uh, and he lied. And then, you know, that was the end of his presidency. Uh, and it's interesting by comparison to what Trump all has done. But uh, I think there's good reason why they want to avoid that, Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. So if you agree. were... I'm just thinking about this topic in general. If you're buying shares of you, you have shares of Manafort being pardoned, right? Oh yeah. Do you have that? Nick does. You do. Nick does. Mm -hmm. I have, I have Don Jr. Getting indicted (laughs) a lot of shares. (laughs) (laughs) Do you, do you think it's going to happen? When do you think it's going to happen? You think Trump's going to pardon Manafort? Yes. Nick, I would say so. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like to think that he wouldn't do it until after the midterms. I could easily see him doing it in the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, it, it just seems like the timing is right at his, the moment. His rhetoric is so hot right now. He is attacking the, you know, witch hunt is every other tweet now. He, he's laying the ground to say this is a totally illegitimate investigation. I've had it. You know, he's he, this this last week he was describing Paul Manafort as a good man. Yeah. I mean, this is a convicted felon. Great uh, man. Right. So, Dress is really great. Right. That should have been enough. Great but suits. he does, doesn't bother. Ostrich suits. Ostrich suits. Uh, so I think the odds of a pardon have gone way, way, way up. He's itching to do it. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds like all the inside accounts are that he's he would have. I think he would have done it already if it weren't for Don McGahn and yeah. other people in the in the administration. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think there's going to be a bad day that's going to yep. occur, and he's going to he's going to pull the trigger. He's going to do it. And, and he could it could come quicker. I think if he goes if he begins with his legal team that pushes the date back. But all he would need to do is launch this with a tweet, you know, to say, I'm so, going to pardon somebody. And then then he can say, I'll figure out the, the legal stuff later. Because uh, Don McGahn is saying, I won't process this for you. I won't write this, you know, this pardon. Right. He just tweets it out and says, I've had it. This is a witch hunt. I'm pardoning Paul Manafort for everything. And then, then he'll find people to clean it all up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, he... <laughs> you seem troubled, Phil. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he's there, there. There are all sorts of interesting elements in this. He, I mean, it's going to happen. But there are a lot of people who have basically said that uh, there are a lot of people. That's like a Donald Trump yeah, line. I shouldn't say he's that. He's in. <laughs> a number of uh, legal experts that I've been following on Twitter and other places talk about how just his tweets over the last few weeks, essentially signaling to to Manafort that a pardon is coming, is in and of itself obstruction of justice. Is is deeply. Um, problematic and and i you know the the um i don't i don't know do you think if if he does this do you think there will be backlash or is it going to be hoopla for two days and then back to normal like we've had on so many other trump issues there's both the political and legal angle so legally i think it's more difficult to go after Trump for pardoning Manafort. Uh, I, I think you're right. He's doing it for the wrong reasons. But you get to this question of intent. 
really, really messy. Politically, I hope there would be, right? I, I, I hope that if the president says, oh, a convicted felon, not just once, but eight times and potentially more, I would hope that Republicans would say that's, you, you, that's, that's too far. You've done a lot of hoping this year. I, yeah. I'm hoping. What's I'm hoping. going on? It's, it's terrible. It's, it's not... I mean, there are, there are a lot of bad pardons out there, but a Manafort pardon would be up there in terms of extreme. And I think part of the reason that Trump may want to do it sooner than later is that if, if this, this next trial, this D.C. trial, which is all about his connections with Russians, it's going to be bad. It's going to be right. really bad. The first stuff is just, you know, the first uh, charge was money laundering and all that kind of stuff. It made him look like, you know, white-collar criminal. This is going to make him look awful. He's colluding right. with Ukrainians and Russians. He's in the pocket of Putin. That's bad. It's much more difficult to pardon him after the second trial. Does it matter that, um, you know, one of the issues that came up this week as well is that Trump was consulting his attorneys about whether to pardon Manafort, but he wasn't consulting the White House counsel, who is you who you would normally talk to. He was consulting his own personal lawyers, his essentially criminal attorneys, right? right. Um, which a lot of people have said is in and of itself evidence of intent, right? That, sure. that in trying to decide whether to pardon Manafort or not, he's not talking to the White House counsel who, who understands the law as it regards the presidency. He's talking to his personal attorneys who are telling him what to do in order to avoid criminal liability himself. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if those sorts of nuance. It, it feels like again, twenty years ago, certainly forty years ago, those sorts of nuances would have mattered in big ways, and I, I'm, I'm getting increasingly cynical that they matter now. It's why Good. Don begins. <laughs> Don begins thirty hours of testimony to the special counsel matter because Don began yeah. is the White House counsel. He is not the lawyer for Donald Trump. He's the lawyer for the American public. It, depending on what Don McGahn said in those 30 hours, it, it could tip things one way or the other. I, I, I will say it depends a lot on how we understand obstruction of justice. And yeah. I've heard some legal analysis and uh, analysis saying that, that Mueller has a much broader sense of obstruction of justice mm -hmm. than others have. Uh, mm -hmm. And that if that's the case, you know, that's it, it makes it more difficult to pursue. Uh, that a tighter more narrow understanding of obstruction of justice would say that, that those things are not as problematic. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Do we, do we want to jump to one speed round? Yeah, topic, let's Nick? do one. All right. Please. Let's do ding, ding. <laughs> let's do security clearances. Okay. So, so this was a topic that we had last week that we were going to hit on, but we had so much else going on. So, so if you all remember, a few weeks back, President Trump revoked the security clearance of John Brennan the former CIA director under President Barack Obama, in what many interpreted as a blatant act of retaliation against an outspoken critic. Since then, the president has threatened to do the same to other former national security officials who have criticized him. In response, 12 of the nation's most senior retired intelligence officials from both parties signed a letter voicing their disapproval. Then-retired Admiral William McRaven wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post protesting Trump's actions, stating, I would consider it an honor if you would revoke my secure security clearance as well so I can add my name to the list of men and women who have spoken up against your presidency. <laughs> now, McRaven is a former Navy SEAL commander of U.S. Special Operations Command who oversaw the raid that killed Osama bin Laden and, by all accounts, is as apolitical as they come. So in total, over 177 former officials have signed statements like this. Uh, the long-term impact of Trump's action can be significant. Now, Phil, you and John Brennan still play Frisbee golf on the weekends. Uh, what is he telling you about what's going on? 
Oh, he's pissed. He's pissed. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they, I mean, this is all again really disheartening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there. I feel like we've talked a little bit about this in the past when he was kind of threatening to do this. Yes. There's an argument to be made. There's an argument to be had about whether or not security clearances should stick with you when you're out of government. Um, other countries don't necessarily let you retain your security clearance when you leave government. There are lots of reasons to do it. Uh, you know, people who move from government into working for military contractors have to have security clearance. And so, you know, rather than doing the process twice, you maintain your sec security clearance. There's reasons that you would want, you know, current government officials to be able to talk to former government officials. There's reasons to do it. So, but there are reasons to argue against it. If this were an argument about broadly the policy of maintaining security clearances, and if he were issuing some new policy that was a blanket statement about we're changing the policy on security clearances, there could be an argument and a debate about this. But this is so blatantly aimed at his critics. The people that he has named, the people he has threatened to remove their security clearance are all people who have spoken out against him. And, and that is, that's bad. <laughs> that's really bad, right? And when we talk about the sort of creeping authoritarianism and, and the, the sort of stuff that, that little by little chips away at democracy, this is one of the things to put into that category. In and of itself, it may not be all, you know, it may not be if, if this were the only thing that Trump had ever done, it would, you know, deserve critique. The fact when you put this with all the other ways in which he's lashed out against critics in the media and in other, you know, political parties, in intelligence, in the FBI, all of these ways, it's 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 scary. I, I mean, the fascinating thing about this whole thing is that can completely be turned on its head, and which I think he he's done masterfully with his base and to some extent a lot of republicans is you know these people who he's specifically singling out they are the deep state they are the ones that are chipping away at democracy and they are the ones that take away your opportunity and make money for themselves with privilege that they gained through quote unquote public service and then they just get to keep that and make additional money from that that's the problem more than anything and that's an equally as powerful narrative as saying that you know these are these are his political opponents and you know whatever from again the opposite perspective it's it'll be interesting to see which of those two narratives is more powerful especially going into the midterms i for one don't agree with these things at all in any way shape or form it's I don't know. I, 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 I question whether anybody should keep their security clearance after leaving um, any sort of government position, especially government positions at this level. I understand the necessity of it if they go into a field where the government is integrally involved and it's an immediate transition. But if you're going to an outside consulting firm that realistically has no, again, immediate connection to the government, I I personally don't think you should have that you're a public servant it's not it shouldn't be a money-making scheme it's at, at that point and i think that that's a, a reasonable conversation that could be had sure. whether it's more valuable just to pull these security clearances we are away. not here to be reasonable okay right. we're here to make a point <laughs> versus to say you know the the counter to that would be that it's valuable to have individuals who are up on what's going on so sure. if you need to pull them back pull their expertise you have them available but 
that's not what Trump's doing. No. Trump is doing this out of political spite. That mm-hmm. should be like there should be no tolerance for that. But there's nothing you can do. I mean, the political system right. enables him to do that. And even today, he tweeted out a new poll. A majority of Americans think that John Brennan and James Comey should have their security clearances revoked. Not surprised, right? I mean, so he knows, to your other right. point, Nick, this politically may be advantageous for him. Absolutely. It's deeply, deeply bad. You know? right. and, and when you say there's nothing that you can do, that, that's true to some extent. But there is something that Congress can do. Yeah, right? oh, yeah. They can hold him in ca- accountable. They can change rules. They can stop his Supreme Court nominee. There's lots of stuff they can do. Yeah. But they are, again, as we've talked about, you know, the, the targeting by Trump, uh, you know, targeting of critics has been, for whatever reason, somewhat effective. I, I think... McRaven's statement and op-ed is more significant than most people realize because yeah. he and a number of the other people who have come out and signed on on that um, are, like as you said, staunchly apolitical. Mm-hmm. They see their duty as a military, you know, their mili- their duty is a military duty. They are following commands. They are not supposed to take sides in politics. And so the people who know him are familiar with him, are familiar with like the military hierarchy, seemed... Um, almost shocked by yeah. this that he came out and said this and I, I think that probably matters more than we realize I don't think it matters for the average American voter but I think people within the intelligence community people within the military I think it does have an impact on them when those leaders come out and say that and we've talked about in the past that if if opposition to Trump grows or if Trump loses support it's in little ways that it's chipped away right a group here a group there um, and I think that this sort of thing, we've, this is what we've asked leaders to do, right? If, if you are serving um, and you have an issue with what he's done, you speak up and you resign. And he didn't have to resign because he's already retired, but he spoke up, right? Yeah. He didn't have to right. do that. He put his, his name and his reputation out there, made himself a target. And I, yeah, I think that's reputable. And I think with a certain segment of the population, I think that carries a, his opinion, his statement carries a lot of weight. I'm curious. There's this guy in the Justice Department, Bruce. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Or, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's Or. Who had connections to uh, Steele, the guy who created the dossier. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like they were all benign. I mean, he was. He's. It sounds like he is again a very apolitical guy who's done his job. He's attacked, you know, Russia in terms of uh, investigations. Like he just, he just does his job. And this is the guy that Trump has been tweeting nonstop about because his wife worked for Fusion GPS. And he had conversations and contact with Steele about the dossier. So he hasn't done anything wrong, but nevertheless, Trump is attacking him. And so how does the political system respond to that? Do they allow a career civil servant who, by all accounts, is very good at his job to be fired because of political pressure? Yes. <laughs> That's my fear. <laughs> At which case, I think it's it's similar to the McRaven stuff where you hope there's somebody that says, hey, well, the country is in, in worse shape because of this political vindictive behavior this is where trump is effective is that he does this i mean there's a long list of people like or who he targets and singles out and attacks until they're either fired or they resign right i mean we've got whether it's comey and mccabe and you've got or and all you know there's this long list of people and any one of them seems small right it's like one person but the bigger picture is that he is sort of slowly but surely picking off opponents within the or critics within the legal and intelligence communities of of government that in and of itself is problematic the idea that the president is picking out a single person and targeting them uh, it it's 
and and I think because each of them seems small, the amount of outrage that gets generated is like people are upset, but the amount of outrage that's generated is still relatively low. And so he just does it over and over again. And the list of people who have been forced out in some way from the Justice Department, people who have been critics of Trump, um, is growing. And it's not just those who've been forced out, but it's the chilling effect it has those on those who still remain, right. who realize, like, I'm not going to do anything that could potentially get the ire of the president, both both at the Justice Department, but I think also members of Congress who shy right. away from saying the right thing because they're afraid of this nonstop attack. I mean, think about, I mean, to circle back, and I know we got to wrap up, but Jeff Sessions, right? I mean, poor Jeff Sessions has just been bullied and bullied and bullied because of one decision he made. And Trump yeah. is going to win. Sessions will be gone. Because I don't feel he that was bad persistent. Really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I disagree with Jeff Sessions in terms of how he's, his, his political sure. way that he has run the Justice Department. But right. I think he, he is not a partisan in the sense of you know, somebody who's bringing Which, an agenda. Mm-hmm. To bring it back to the beginning and yeah. talking about McCain versus Trump and all of that other stuff, right? Like, you, I, I have deep, deep disagreements with Jeff Sessions on lots of things. But there is this larger principle of the norms and the structures of government and the checks on power and all of that other stuff, which is deeply troubling to see him targeted by Trump for these reasons. I would, if Jeff Sessions were out tomorrow for lots of other reasons, I would be, you know, that would be I, fine with me. But if he's ousted because the president doesn't like the, you know, that that he is, you know, not protecting the president from legal charges, that's that's deeply that's deeply troubling. And and again, that's where we need to learn to be able to disagree about policy issues and argue about those without mm-hmm. letting that devolve into these other attacks on the system itself or on, you know, on, on um, the norms of, of how we actually do government. He brought us full circle. No, I fundamentally disagree (laughs) that we should be disagreeing on anything. Um, I I think we got to wrap up. Okay. Um, Any final thoughts on this one? No? No, I think it's going to be... I'm kind of with you, Bill. For some reason, I just... I feel it in my bones that something big's going to happen yep, this week. It's coming. And I'm yeah. not going to be here next week to talk about it. So. That's right. Tom Cavanaugh will be Hell. with us next week. He was going to be with us this week. Tom's going to be back next week. Phil will be in. You're going to Germany, right? Yeah, in Deutschland. Oh, yeah. Going to one of those right wing rallies, huh? <laughs> That's right. Enjoy. You know <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, well, yeah. Um, definitely check us out for that. If you like the podcast, have questions about it, comments, your suggestions, anything like that. Uh, check us out on Twitter uh, at Barstool Paul, Facebook at Barstool Politics. Uh, download the Untapped app for our uh, beer reviews and things like that. Um, it's iOS and Android. Uh, Podcast, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music. Most of you are on iTunes. Uh, review us, uh, share us, like us, do all that good stuff. Uh, and definitely check out Predict It if you have the opportunity. My computer just went dead as I was saying that. I'm not dead, but it just went off. Um, yeah, check out Predict It. It's great. You know, we've we've talked about it over the past few weeks. Um, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, stock market for politics. Uh, you know, that's the the short and sweet of it. Um, use our promo code predictit.org uh, slash promo slash barstool paul twenty. Uh, you'll get up to a twenty dollar match uh, on your first deposit uh, when you open an account. Um, so it's free money for you, and it's great, and it's super fun because we said it's fun yep. already. Um, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I think that's it. And uh, yeah, we'll have Tom next week, right? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. We'll, we'll see you guys then. Have have fun, Phil. Thanks. Be I super will. Fun. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, fun. guys. Prost. Thank <laughs> you.